What's going on everybody? I'm Rambo and welcome to Echoes of New Eden, the only Eve Echoes podcast with news and current events. There actually hasn't been much for game news in uh, within the last week, but I'll hit a couple items. This war is still ongoing between the largest entities in the game. I sat down with Hayu from Xanadu Corporation. We talked about the war, capitals, and everything in between. Autopilot engaged. Sorry for no episode last week. I had a much needed vacation out of town. But let's see what we had for game news. I know the last announcement. So a couple days ago, they had a an update with a known bug that was causing the uh, drones could not be added to the drone bay or cargo hold of inactive ships. That bug has since been fixed. And also Void Nihilus Space. Uh, those were not able to be scanned successfully. So there is also a bug fix for that. So in the patch notes, the last patch notes was on the 19th. And they did have a little list here. They uh, had some events that are still ongoing. but So they have some optimizations here. So one, they adjusted the premium factor of material valuation formula. They adjusted the function of the report button. They changed part of the Dark Halo Core's description, warp scramble range to disruption field range. After fitting a module, fitting another will record the listed location of the last one. That's actually a really useful quality of life tool added right there. They added a close button to the search screen. You can now switch styles of the bottom panel of the main interface module button. They added carriers to the virtual test. Dreadnoughts are still also available. They changed the non-player dreadnoughts to carriers in the third test to test combat capabilities of carriers when not controlled by a player. So a couple bug fixes. They fixed an issue where Nihilus space generation would fail under some circumstances. And they fixed an issue where the mission reward screen wouldn't appear after rewards were claimed. So that was it. That was actually last week. And uh, we'll probably be seeing the next set of patch notes here in the next couple days. Going on into the official media. As you've been seeing, you most likely have seen it by now, we've been seeing screenshots of the uh, capital ships, the race to capitals. It appears that some screenshots have even leaked to where they tell us uh, certain quantities of items that are required to make these capitals. So I'm not able to show you those through a podcast, but they are there. They can be found. So nothing much going on in player support news, and really that's about it for in-game news. So have you ever heard of Axelis, as in the Eve Echoes Discord bot? Content creator PM Blue created this bot for your use on Discord for free. 
Oxalis has many features that can be used with Eve Echoes. One feature is the ability to stream this show through Discord chat comms. You can find planets with certain resources. You can get calculated destination paths. You can get info on any system. You can request market info and much more. Go check out PM Blue's Oxalis bot on Discord, and I will leave that link in the description. And yes, this war is still continuing on. Pangen 22 are playing the defense, while No and SHH are racking up the Citadel Killmails and Intosis takeovers. Within this fourth week since war declaration, over 3 trillion worth of ISK damages have been done. We will get into that some more later in this episode. Next, let's talk to Hayu and see what's going on over in SHH. Hello everyone, Hayu of Xanadu. Welcome to Echoes of New Eden Podcast. Welcome, Hayu. How you doing? Great, man. Thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. We got tons of content going on in the galaxy right now. The Literally, the entire galaxy is on fire, uh, <laughs> according to uh, a lot of people, I suppose you could say. Um, but um, yeah, hi you. It's uh, your second appearance on this podcast. I know uh, for the longtime listeners, you were on... Uh, you were on an episode where we did the farewell to GHA, and we had Zell from DIT, which turned into uh, FX2. They joined um, Pantheon, and then Neon Poison, who uh, I don't even know what he's doing nowadays. I haven't talked to him probably since then. Uh, I think yeah, that's he. A good question. I think he started his Eve Online YouTube career. And and is doing all that, but that's been the last time you were on. Can you believe it's been since April? And I mean, it nonstop since then, really. But it's great that we've uh, still been flying together the whole time, kept right? our little crew together. Yeah. Some of us, anyway. Yes, exactly. So, for those that don't know you, uh, please give an introduction to yourself. All right. Well, as you alluded to, um, I pretty much started my Eve Echoes career in uh, the Golden Horde Alliance um, with. Red One and Xanadu, all of us there in Detroit doing uh, doing the Angel Cartel space fun times. And um, I became, you know, worked my way up through the military over there, became one of their admirals. Um, and we fought to the bitter end to the breakup of uh, the Golden Horde Alliance. Um, and then, you know, Zell and uh, that was one of, you know, one of the form other admirals. And I want to give a shout out to Zell. Um, he's been longtime MIA. And we uh, we fear the worst for Zell, but we we um, you know we hope he's just busy with real life and not been able to get back to anybody. But just a just a quick moment of you know silence for Zell because a lot of people looked up to him and had had a great time working with flying with Zell. Uh, but for sure, uh, other than that, I moved over to Silent. My corp moved over to Silent Alliance after the fall of Golden Golden Horde Alliance, and uh, I've been playing in the North. Uh, it was always the running joke when I was in Golden Horde Alliance. I wanted to be the king of the North. Uh, big Game of Thrones fan. And uh, <laughs> that was the running joke between me and Zell. He's like, well, you're finally in the North now, so how's it going? And 
and this is so that's where I am. I've you know really kind of taken a back seat, not not uh, nearly to the level of Discord warriorship that I was with uh, the Golden Horde, um, but I still do get to do some fun times. I've spread out, started doing some events here uh, for the greater community in uh, Evecos, and um, but still doing some FCN on the side for sure. Yeah, that's great to hear. So tell us a bit about uh, your corporation, Xanadu. Uh, so Xanadu is um, miners with pitchforks. I don't know. It's the best best way. So Xanadu was formed to be a industry hardcore. Like we wanted to have our own ITC, basically, where we would just have everything you need from one place. Um, and to some degree, we've done that as best we can with the mechanics of the game, where any single ship in the game that you want or citadel or citadel piece or or upgrade you can get from our from our services uh we have a team of builders and that is our claim to fame we've always had the industry um, miners and and pve to support this mission um and you know we've had to grow and adapt because you can't just survive in, in one facet of evecos but we are certainly um an industry group that you will come into a belt and think that you can gank these xanadu miners and all of a sudden there's decloaking bellicoses and um you <laughs> my favorite we have a couple of guys who bring out their battle barges and just sit in belts waiting for somebody to come so that's a word to the wise for those hunting the belts of xanadu space be prepared <laughs> yeah you're talking about your uh your industry the you know it's funny as i did your your industry like fill out form thing and uh, i requested a share on one of those freighters right and i, I wanted to see how much i can get it for <laughs> and you know trying to do the uh the homie hookup and whatnot but um I, I was talking with a certain member i'm not going to drop a name but i was talking with a certain member and trying to get the homie hookup i did end up getting a hookup but they didn't want to continue with a 40 payment plan so i Oh, they, they wanted 40 a, payments. Yeah, wow. I tried getting 40 payments. They would only accept five. And I was like, you know what? I oh. might not be able to do that. <laughs> so, Sometimes it's it was probably better for you, you know, like mortgaging a house. And you're like, I need a 400-year loan on this yeah, $300,000 exactly. house. I, <laughs> the broker did you a favor there, right? No, yeah. but uh, yeah, you know, we operate a seamless thing where it's um, the corp members they get a little better price because we don't have the contract tax evasion right um but our our prices are are fairly rigid and, and keep us on a very thin margin we don't you know we're not extortion artists or anything like that uh we our whole mo was to build mass not you know sell a high number or a few number of expensive ships we wanted to build as much as we could for everybody um and to that degree, you know, become a big part of like even the ship replacement program in the Alliance, just because we have that much capacity and that many people and characters sitting around with slots ready to cook. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, talking about the whole ITC type thing is, uh, man, we, we got some updates coming up. I can't say too much, but you may like it. We'll, we'll see what yeah. kind of st structures that we get in the future. That's, that's you always probably the already hope. Know. I mean, I... you probably already know just yeah. through your, uh, EO experience because I'm sure they're on Eve Online. Yeah, and and I guess I didn't really int introduce that part of me. I maybe the longtime listeners remember. So I am uh, Eve Online person. I started about two months after Eve Online came out of beta and uh, launched in 2003. Um, and I played in various different alliances and groups um, 
for, for the majority until the last four years ago at the birth of my first child, uh, which kind of like I, I had to cut myself from that EVE Online addiction. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've got quite a bit of experience from everything from owning, you know, two Titans and super carriers and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I've always been in EVE Online. I was never good at making ISK. So I have really tried to play EVE Echoes a little bit differently because I would always have every CTA ship and EVE Online and stuff that I needed, but I never had like an, enough ISK to, to buy the next one. I always would have to sell some. So I've really made it my mission. I'm going to be a more financially responsible uh, Echoes player. So I've, I've tried to keep that claim to fame. Yeah. <laughs> um do you do you know of a i know we're going to talk about eo for a little bit here but do you know of a corporation called black rose maybe that's the alliance i don't know in eo no. that's that's the corporation i'm in and i don't even do anything so <laughs> i was um in macabre votum for a shout out for the nc dot alliance um, group that i was with for the longest time uh but M i was with mv for oof, probably probably better bet of like I don't know, 10 years plus to enough where the CEO at the time when I had my first child uh, got a onesie with a uh, mini Hayu on it with their corporation logo on the front of the onesie nice. from the CEO. I mean, that's how close that the group was. It was a great bunch of people. Wow. Yeah. I can't say the same <laughs> with my EO uh, group. I actually, I've been so inactive. I got booted from their discord. I know. And, and, you know, they've always taken security very seriously in EVE Online um, because, you know, it's serious business. Uh, but I get it. And I think I think that's what the EVE O vets really wanted to impress upon the EVE Echoes community was building building that family, that camaraderie amongst each other. Um, but I'm kind of remembering back to the first bit of like 2003, 2004. It took a while for that to settle in, you know, because you didn't know anyone for a long enough time when when the game first launched, right? So everybody's still kind of new to you. And we're really just getting to that point where you're going to start forging those bonds of, of, of hopefully community and relationship that doesn't just fly by night change. So, right. Well, I want to, I want to get back into, uh, an EE, right. Um, so Xanadu hosted an event not too long ago and I, I did see it got pinged. I believe Joseph even pinged it on the official, um eve echoes discord the 3v3 event i know you had advertising on it i know you had asked me to uh plug it on one of my shows uh tell us about that event yeah so i um i was a huge fan participated in a lot of the eve online alliance tournaments um and without all the complexity and having the dev you know dev mode to be able to spawn ships and, and, you know, uh, instances, I tried to do the best I could to repl replicate that in a three V three style tournament, uh, community wide. It wasn't focused on one Alliance or one corporation. Um, so I, I opened it up and had it pinged in the, like you said, the community server, it was actually the first player run organization, uh, to get pinged and, and, and was actually, I believe if you go to the uh, like in game event channel, player run events, it, it's the only, yeah, it's still the only thing posted uh, by that bot. So I actually worked with the, the content creator group and the moderator group to get that um, channel set up. So when we start hopefully having more events in game uh, from the players, we'll be able to do that. But I had a co-host, uh, Trimble Jack, um, who is also an FC from silent Alliance. Uh, he does Twitch streaming. I do, obviously, a little more YouTube stuff. So we, we kind of tried to uh, 
combine our talents and run a 3v3 cruiser team deathmatch. And we made it T5 and below. Um, so I guess that's really for cruisers, only T4, T5 cruisers. Uh, but had a great time. Um, actually had 10 teams. Excuse me, 12 teams. Um, but two dropped out. So then we, we were down to 10 actual uh Day of day of match, day of tournament. It was about six hours of my life. Uh, it was it was a long day of sitting there talking and and trying to do the stream, especially with a family that was trying to be really quiet so I could, so daddy could stream uh, serious internet spaceships. But it was it was awesome. The top three contenders, I'll I'll give a shout out for those folks. Um, a Xanadu team actually came in second place. Uh, OG Unicorns uh, was the team name uh, from OG. They actually took first place and top prize, and then. Fed one came in third place because they had a Fed one and a Fed two team. And I will own up to my own confusion here. I thought it was a silent Federation team, uh, but the Fed one team was, had no part of silent Alliance. They didn't even really know who I, who I really was. That was a uh, Federation from Providence Federation, I guess. Um, and those folks came in third place with their Fed one team. So really good. Um, Really good concepts. The Vexer Navy issues actually won out for uh, the most, um, I guess, both the top two teams both ran um, B&I fits. Although we could theorize that I didn't have any fitting restrictions and the OG Unicorns probably had those V&Is integrated rigged to the, to the hilt. Uh, but anyways, they did an amazing job and it was it was really fun to do. And I learned a lot as far as setting up a stream and, and, and running some type of broadcast like that. But we had like over 400 views on YouTube and Trimble Jack had a similar, if not more views on his uh, Twitch stream going and a live interactive audience on both. So it was a good time. Uh, really was. And I think everybody who came and, and played had a good time. Yeah. I was going to ask whether or not uh, you actually streamed that live. So you had 400 people watching it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and it, and it was, you know, a lot of breaks and intermissions trying to get it all set up for the next round. So it wasn't, um, I don't think everybody stayed at any given time. So it wasn't necessarily concurrent viewers, but overall for the six hours, I think it was like six, I mean, 400 views. But some of the big names really turned out. We had a No Alliance um, came and, you know, there was a Void came. So there was, there was a lot of inter-alliance across the community came and came together for this event. And actually all were very civil and had a, had a very good tournament together. Yeah. The uh where was it? Where where did it take place? I did it in a random low sec, like six jumps from Jita. That way everybody could, you know, reship and, and get there pretty quick. Okay. Um but yeah, because I, like I said, I didn't have developer mode to be able to spawn us somewhere safe. I had to try and keep it opsec so that I would sneak into a low sec and get it all set up. But it, it worked out. We actually didn't get any interruptions and then had a um Oh man, what was it? Eve Sky News, like another came into local and was trying to broadcast and do interviews. So it was cool. We actually had a little bit of the uh, uh, news community come in to to the system as well. Yeah, shout out to Sky News, the premier Russian outlet of news. <laughs> Eve Echoes News, I should say. Yeah. Right. Then uh, what was first place prize? Or what were the top three prizes? So um, the top prize was the ISK value. So um, I believe they got a total of uh, well six hundred mil because uh, it was you know it was a hundred mil entrance fee. So times twelve teams. So they got half of that um, in the top prize. Plus the uh, top damage got uh, the, the the top damage on the most expensive kill mail, You know got a prize. So there was a couple different prizes, and they got a free cruiser. 
um, of their non-faction cruiser of their choice. So there was a bit of, you know, it was a random, you know, hey, you get a Daredevil was given. So there was a couple cool prizes. Um, but it certainly was more for the trophy that, you know, OG Unicorn still, still gets to hold that they were the top top team in the 3v3. Would you do it again? Uh, absolutely. I mean, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work. Um, I think there was a lot of lessons I could have made it a little easier on myself. But no, I would absolutely love to do more things like that. And I think the Evecos community would really get in into it if we had a proper proper support, probably from the developers and, and the community to to run these or you know on a more regular basis yeah for sure and i know there's been a couple other pretty big name players out there that have been wanting to do this but maybe they couldn't get the support behind it or they couldn't get the funding for it or they don't have the time to be able to do uh all the planning and stuff for it and so a lot of them probably just got scrapped or pushed aside uh, this one, though, all the amount of work that you put into it and got it broadcasted and officially like added into the game, you know, as an announcement or a ping, um, that's pretty dang cool. So yeah, we could hope to see some more of that. I would be uh, excited to see, and maybe this next one I can actually attend it because I think the time was not right for me. I think I had a work that weekend, and so uh, I wasn't able to be there, not even to spectate. So unfortunately, but if you do do it again, let's let's hope I can attend it. Yeah, uh, and I will tell you that uh, that is for sure. Uh, co-host spot would be open because you know uh, that would that, that it's important to have two or or even maybe three views to switch back and forth from. So it was it was a lot of fun, and I did a lot of uh, YouTube archive searching of all the old Eve um, online alliance tournaments, and it was, you know, so good good material on how the broadcasters got into it, but certainly certainly uh, more I could do, and, I, and like I said, it wasn't perfect, but uh, it was. I think still everybody had a good time, and that's, that's what matters. You know, that would totally be awesome. If I'm interviewing for a, a job position right now, I would totally be your co-host. <laughs> well you're certainly you were certainly on my radar uh the first time go around but I, like you said i think you schedules just didn't work out but yeah we, we'll get together and, and like i said maybe after this war i'm sure we'll talk about in a minute if this ever winds down right we'll get time to plan something like that and i know a lot of people i'm like one of those announcers like in the for football like college football nfl it's like those guys know the players they know their numbers they know their stats all that stuff right well i know a lot of people in new eden you know, and, and if they're a bigger, more well-known team, I might know something about that team, you know, so. Oh, so, so you're going to, so what you tell me in this interview is you're going to come to work prepared with stats of, uh, I'll bring of you some the stats. other players and teams. I'll bring me some history. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. So, yeah, we'll Fair see. Enough. We'll see. So let's, uh, let, let's roll into what your role is in SHH. So what do you do? What do you, what do you like? So. Um, like I said, you know, fleet commanding is certainly one of the things I enjoy most about Eve in general, both in my time in Eve Online and Eve Echoes. Um, it, it's, it's taking a group of people and creating content because that's ultimately what a fleet commander is, right? You're, you're herding the cats to content and hopefully you have a positive outcome. Um, even if it's not a positive outcome in the sense of winning the objective, Hopefully you have a lot of fun doing it, even if it's a loss. And and that's the point, you know, I, if I can impress anything about people, it's always sucks to lose. Uh, but I, I hope everybody is, um, 
you know, in the war and fighting in general and PVP in this game, just step back from it and, and just enjoy the time you're doing it. Even if, even if you don't always win. Um, but that's, that's an important part, but my role in, in sound Alliance, um, is not to lose, uh, cause I am one of the fleet commanders. However, I am certainly one of the, I don't want to say busier, but just not as active. Um, so I haven't been hugely important. Not even, okay, I'm not important at all, let's admit it. But uh, I've been involved in the war, but one of my biggest things or contributions, I guess, early in the war um, is, um, you know, Panjin has a huge force, right, um, as far as numbers. They they outnumber us quite a bit. Uh, so early on in the war, one of my niches was taking the interceptor squadrons, bomber squadrons behind at the day of a timer and, and accomplishing objectives outside of what the standard, you know, um, if you think about like these uh, revolutionary war of America versus England, right? The two t- two sides staring at each other with their muskets and shooting at one another. Well, I'm the gorillas running around on the sides, uh, going back and capturing the town, anyways. That that that's my goal. I, I don't I don't have the time or you know capacity to necessarily sit there and lead the blob, um, but I am certainly the one to to get the interceptors, go behind lines, and and still uh, tackle objectives. Um, so that's that's really been my role, I guess, if you will, is to uh, you know advise the younger FCs, do a lot of scouting, um, timers checking, and and making these objectives happen when the fleet battles, even if the numbers aren't in our favor. Yeah, and an advisory role is still a really important role, even though you're not spending that much time actually playing in the game. Uh, but just talking with other FCs, getting strategy and all that behind the scenes uh, does help a lot. For sure. You know, one of the things I've tried to do, especially with the newer FCs coming up, um, and that's been the greatest thing about war is, is breeding new FCs that, you know, get a taste of it and they, they come up through the ranks. Um, but is is being a part of their fleet. And as I can't necessarily with the kids lead as much um, from the front, but I can certainly, you know, pass along the advice or give recommendations or, or make uh, strategic observations, if you will. Like, hey, maybe we shouldn't go charging that direction. Let's focus over here. Uh, you know, those types just in the moment, um, having that zoomed out view and being able to see what's going on. It's always great to have scouts and, you know, scouts win or lose wars in EVE Online. And I think the same can be said for eve echoes you know information intelligence and scouting is is pivotal uh for for both sides so i i try to be that resource if you will when i can't actually lead the fleets myself so let's talk about this war a little bit now it's been going what three weeks maybe going on four weeks now yeah i mean uh certainly haven't even hit a, a 30 day mark right so um we're, we're progressing in the south, uh, both in Delve and Fountain, um, and I think even some action in Aquarius here lately. Um, but certainly a, a lot of content and a lot of battles. Uh, I'm given props where props is due. You know, um, Pantheon, Pangen has formed up uh, incredible incredible fleets, uh, numbers, and, and over multiple timers, uh, and, and they have duped it out, you know. <laughs> but I have to give credit where credit is due. Um, the no guys that we've you know kind of combined in the in this banana blender is uh, those those guys are nonstop. Um, Tahini and, and those folks of, and his upper command echelon are just relentless on their ability to 
to press on the attack and, and stay active. And I think I think that's what happened, right? A lot of people that were super active PvPers, and that's all they wanted to do, kind of migrated to that early mercenary lifestyle that No offered, um, and that that Pew offered, I guess. And it's been it's been really amazing working with that group um, and the Silent group, um, and, and it just beckons to my mind of NC Dot and PL and Eve Online uh, that same same kind of mentality where PL was kind of more mercenary uh, for a while, and then NC Dot was more the strategic land holding, uh, trying to build the bigger super capital force, um, but still very mobile in the sense. So it, it just that relationship between No and Silent is is always just makes me kind of smirk and laugh from, from my time in EVE Online. But, um, you know, moving, the war has certainly progressed to trillions um, in damage. You know, we did the, the killboard calculator just from what's been posted in, in the Discord. We're over 3 trillion in damage in the last 30 days um, for this war. And that doesn't count Citadel um, captures. That just counts Citadel destructions. Um, and, and like uh, we mentioned uh, in the pregame, that the... Citadel tech, you know, the tier three citadels or even tier um, two ones that if you rip out that upgrade, once you capture them, then you, you lose what a percentage, I think 25% you lose to thin air. Um, but you, you walk away with the rest of the uh, upgrade components. Yeah. I want to say my calculations on a test server were about one third of a loss. So it may be in okay. between that one third to 25%. Um, right in there so yeah you still take a loss regardless oh for sure yeah you take you take a loss um but for for just capturing it i mean it's it certainly helps you pay off your srp um, and <laughs> so i think it's a it's been an interesting part of eve echoes and i you know everybody wants to look at oh my space is burning or oh we're doing so good but honestly I've sat back and tried to look at the bigger picture of what are we doing for the economy of, of Eve Echoes with the war, right? Um, just from the main doctrine, really, for for our group has been the drone doctrine. Um, and drones are something that insurance points don't get you back, the ones that are blown up in space or the ones that are dropped in your cargo uh, when you die. So there's there's a little bit of that that doesn't get uh, poofed back with insurance, for lack of a better term. And then besides that, the Citadel and the Citadel upgrades are both uh, not covered by insurance. So, you know, it's, it's actually helped stimulate the economy in, in many ways. Um, and I think you, you were talking about you couldn't, couldn't find some modules or had to pay extortionists yeah. if you wanted to buy modules oh, for some of your I had chips. A, I had to pay 4,000% over the value for an afterburner the other day. And it was MK9. It wasn't even green. <laughs> and I, I mean... I, and, and like we, I think, you know, is it's it's twofold, right? Uh, people said, okay, it's easier for me just to reprocess loot than try and sell loot individually, especially with the taxes and everything that goes into selling stuff on the open market. Um, so we've we've kind of created the situation, uh, both because of the tax system and our own, you know, I don't want to say laziness, but the own own convenience. Instead of bringing back loot to sell, we're just like, yeah, let me reprocess it all. Uh, so I don't even do certainly that anymore. An interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even pick it up when you go ratting. Up. No, no, I pick it up, but I don't even I don't even reprocess it. I just keep it. Now it's all it's, it's all oh. like a backup, you know, just for yeet ships, you know. 
For sure. I, and I think that's what a lot of people are going to have to stop and, and think about it once they pay that 4,000% on an afterburner. They're going to be like, hmm, I think I just reprocessed five of those a week ago. Right. Yeah. And I was in the market. Mistakes I was buying made. bulk. I was buying 20 of small, medium, larges. I was ready. I was dumping some serious coin. Not really. <laughs> but um, for <laughs> for an MK9 afterburner that was like retailed. 200 mil not even 200 mil isk probably 50,000 isk you know and i ended up paying close to a mil for it whatever <laughs> i mean it's i suppose it's just this it's just, just pixels, yeah, right at yeah. the end of the day but yeah it's uh you you could see the market actually growing in that sense so you know it's funny you talk about the market um i think the market really has a lot to do with the game you know at Keeping all the, because I'm not in any leadership position of any political mindset whatsoever. You know, after Goldport Alliance, I've really taken a backseat to anything like in that level. Um, so just bear that in mind. My observations are my own and may or may not represent anything to do with the Silent Alliance. That's my disclaimer. Um, but just you know, stepping back from the outside and and seeing where the uh, game itself is going, that a lot of the war and my mind started just because like, look, this, there's nothing going on. And this group is a hoarding mass wealth in the South. Um, and, and I think at some point everyone had to realize that if, if the friction continued to grow between the North and the South, um, none, none of us were going to surprise capital onslaughts if they had unlimited resources. So staring down at that juicy land and delve and, and fountain just being, uh, farmed, uh, constantly i i think it was certainly a, a scratch on the head somebody in command had to be looking at that and saying you know what if we clean house before capitals uh we we do our, ourselves a favor um so i mean i you know again i'm not going to speculate that that was it but if i was sitting back in an armchair um with one of the big cigars and planning things i think that would be one of my my first intuitions was uh, we've got to do something before these capitals come out we have you know 500 phoenixes coming through our citadels so what is that war room like is it hectic is it laid back what what's the view of the war from the shh fc perspective as a semi-active fc um it's usually a lot of beck pinging us with a timer um, that someone's created and it's then followed up by somebody pinging an op and then somebody pinging the kill mail of the citadel or the capture uh, notification so you know for for every one citadel that we may do there's at least three or four different pings to the fc war room uh you know that, that this is happening this is going on and not to mention all the hey let's get formed up to do the different fleets so you know i would say a minimum of five to ten pings before before operation can even really get off the ground uh so there there's a lot of traffic um and it's usually a reader's digest version at night that i try to do uh with a with a cup of coffee and stay up a little late and, and try and go through all of it to stay on top of everything but no like you say it has been um just an absolute and when I say onslaught, I don't mean an onslaught like we've obliterated the battlefield. I'm not. I'm not downplaying the role of anyone uh, or 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 their abilities. What I'm what I'm just trying to say, it's been just a wave. So much information. So much. So many timers. So many different uh, battlefields between Fountain and Delve. Um, and then them. Uh, when I say them, Pangen trying to attack in the north can create some timers. Um, it's, it's, it's been a lot. It's been really, really busy. Um, and there's been a great core group of guys, 
um, doing work as far as, as the silent goes. Um, you know, that FC group has to get a shout out. Uh, Niker and JD, all the group has, Trimble Jack has been uh, nonstop. These folks have, have to get a shout out because, again, at the end of the day, folks, I want everybody to remember this is content creation. And whether it gets old or gets annoying or you're on the winning or the losing side, these guys are creating content uh, for you. And please just show them, shower them with love and props because they're spending their time trying to, to let you have a good time, you know, and let you get in on it. So I, I give my hat off to those guys that, that have the ability to put that much time into it. And I, like I said, I try to do it when I can. Uh, but they are are they're keeping up with it and and doing a great job from the looks of it. Like I said, over three trillion uh, destroyed in less than thirty days. So that is outstanding. Have you attended any of these large, like uh, these large battles, like K four? I think they had a couple kind of large instances for that um, before it got turned, and then at the battle of it turning. You have any favorite battles in this so far? Um. Well, I, I probably couldn't. The numbers and names of all the Delve systems um, kind of blend together. Uh, I couldn't couldn't call out any. I mean, K four K four. I don't even think was necessarily that fun, um, but certainly certainly have had the instances. I, I I wish I could remember this. I have one where it stood out. Like I said, where I really um, I got being in a group of about twenty five interceptors behind the lines. Um, and, and basically forced the hand, right? Um, Panjin had the, had the route camped, um, and, uh, and our fleet wasn't going to jump into an, to a slaughter. So, you know, either they were going to let my 25 interceptor man fleet kill the, kill the Citadel, or they were going to come back and try and chase us off. Um, you know, they sent a few attack groups to try and clear us and they failed. Um, and we were able to keep the timer paused and, and the destruction happening. So I, while I can't remember the specifics of like the names, I can tell you I, that was certainly the, probably the most fun I've had as the FC running around and keeping that timer pause with just 25 interceptors. And it started out, we were like 11 interceptors and then everybody saw what we were doing and they're like, anybody's got an interceptor, go, go, go get in high use fleet. You know, it was just one of those things that we were able to, to push the objective by forcing the hand of the main Pangen fleet to get off the gate they were camping. Um, and in that transition allowed our fleet to get in. Um, and we were able to, to form up the heavy kite fleet on the station, um, capture some of their forces in between the gates and, and even out the battlefield to where we could, could stand on and, and destroy the objective. What's, what's motivating SHH right now? in this war? I mean, I think everybody has a little different story to tell for that. Um, you know, I'm sure leadership has a little bit, uh, a different feel, but I mean, I would imagine that everybody is, is content at some point, right? Like this, there is something to do finally. Um, how many anomalies can you run before you're like, okay, you know, I, I don't want to stare at another rock and then mining belts. It was, it was something to do. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's strategic long-term objectives, but I think that's the motivation at, at the end of the day is there's a lot of um, fun in the game. Uh, with the industry and the struggle that it's been in, there's not necessarily been a lot of fun, even for those industry folks. They've had to kind of adapt to like PvP. I mean, I think NetEase has set the stage and the precedent that this is um, for the content and the different things they've delivered. This is a PvP oriented atmosphere with the way the insurance works and all the other calculations. I mean, I'm sure you've talked about plenty of times before, um, but I think 
in that tone, it really, if you want to play this game, you have to PVP um, one way or the other. Um, so I think at the end of the, what else, what else are we going to do um, is, I guess, is the question that you'd have to ask yourself. Um, based on the rough numbers of what we're looking at with the expansions coming up, I don't, I don't think capitals are as far-fetched as I really once thought they were. You know, I thought it was going to be more like um, four or five corpse citadels worth, but it doesn't appear from the rough numbers I've seen that that's going to be how much they cost. So I, I think capitals are going to come um, and they're going to be used as force multipliers. Um, I know um, the YouTuber Benzi, he's kind of been on a, on a several long winded announcements or discussions about, Hey, I don't think they necessarily have a role in the game. And while I tend to agree with him um, that there's not an objective, like dreadnoughts came um, at the time that, there was pause warfare and Eve online um, and pauses weren't like, uh, how do you describe? Were you, I don't know. Were you there before Citadels and Eve online? No, I started Eve online like six months ago and I've played it maybe three oh, okay. times. <laughs> All right. So at the first structures that um, players or corporations could deploy in Eve online were basically like little moon bases. Uh, they were little sticks that were player-owned structure sticks, um, and they had a little force field that you could get in your little force field and nothing could shoot you. But it wasn't a station. There was no docking. There was there was some modules inside there, like you could put a corp hangar array so you could store your um, ores or you could uh, ship maintenance array to store your ships and that kind of thing. Um, but those were all little modules inside this little shield bubble. It was like 30 km for the larges. Um so anyways, that, that's where Dreadnoughts came in. Uh, they were the smashers of these pauses, right? They had the, the massive um, damage to stationary targets for the most part. Um, they weren't very good at shooting ships in EVE online. So, so I, you know, not to get too far off track, but I think Benzie's right in some ways that um, the early Dreadnoughts and Carriers never really attacked. Dreadnoughts certainly were not used against... Um, Subcapital, subcapital class ships. They were more hit the strategic objective um, itself that was stationary. But with the shield field and Eve Echoes, that's going to add a new change to this, right? Um, and I'm, maybe I'm kind of jumping off topic a little bit, but if, if you think about it um, for a second, though, the shield field is a signature um, multiplier for your ship. So uh, basically, you're, even if you put a shield field on your your cruiser or your battle cruiser it makes it the size of i don't know a station signature wise um so the the premise that if you have that shield field up could actually be shot by a dreadnought quite easily i think it's going to add an interesting dynamic at least in that part so saying they're not entirely applicable to eve echoes isn't fair in the sense i think dreadnoughts could really uh play some changes with the shield meta that's we've seen in eve echoes for so long and that's just dreadnoughts, and the carriers I think could be more so usable. Well, and that's and that's where we have to kind of scratch our heads and wonder, right? Because we we know that the the anti shield meta is drones because they go right underneath the shield uh, shield bubble shield field and can do damage to the intended target. So they're great in that regard. However, um, you know they're vulnerable to being shot down, and and that's gonna be interesting to see how much these fighters cost and how much uh, risk are you willing right, to, to throw out there if you launch your fighters and those fighters cost 300 million ISK um, and they get blown up on the first wave. 
you know, that's, that's going to be the thing, right? I don't have the, I don't have the industry numbers for, for the, the fighters. Right. The, uh, <laughs> it's, it's going to be interesting. Did you notice that the Estero is down to like 724 now in Jita? You know, that I would say had less of a role in Evecos than the, the capitals coming. Because the bonuses that the Estero got in EVE Online were very specific to like the, the hacking and scanning, um, which had much more gameplay in EVE Online because you had the wormholes, not just the sites, right? And Eve Online, um, so it, it, you know, I, I would kind of argue that yeah, the Asteros kind of showed its true numbers. Now that everybody's got it, said, oh, there it is. Um, it never really proved to be a PvP powerhouse, especially with interceptors being as powerful as they are. Um, yeah, I just don't think it really, really has a place. Now that said, and and like I said, in Eve Online, where Asteros were kind of dangerous, is you'd go in that mining anomaly with a. Uh, uh, your your venture and that Astero decloaks next to you and blows up your venture. Yeah, your venture eh, didn't necessarily cost so much, uh, but it was some PvP that the Astero could do. But it could also go do the site hacking and and that sort of thing. So um, yeah, I I think there's certainly a cry for more content in the scanning hacking um, kind of single player uh, game mode like that. Yeah, that people can enjoy that well, aren't able to join the fleets. So there was that, but to the point that I was actually uh, wanting to make about that was that the the price inflation from when that came out and the debris and all that stuff was like over a billion, maybe two for an Estero. And then over time, that time, you know, obviously the prices has come down and it's bound down to about 724 million right now. So when Dreadnoughts come out, structure parts are going to skyrocket minerals are going to skyrocket whatever is needed to make these dang things are is going to skyrocket you already know it and it, well, at least on uh, the so market. supply and demand right yeah, yeah i mean economics supply and demand um i don't think you're going to see minerals and and this is you know i guess we're going to uh high you eve economics here i i don't think minerals are going to skyrocket quite as bad as you might think um, if I were a betting man and what I'd probably be putting some money on is um, PI right now, I think PI is going to dry up a lot faster than minerals will because you don't really have a way to, to speed up your PI, right? You, you can put more capsular outposts with the resource extractors, uh, more care, but that, that takes time even to gather them um, and a lot of resources to create on their own. So I would be a betting man. I'd be saying PI is going to be the thing that, that inflates oh, yeah. um, minerals a little bit, um, but then 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 get to to your point, right? Supply and demand. I'm not entirely sure how they're implementing the debris system. I I, I don't quite get that from the messages I've been on. It like I said, a, a family vacation here lately, so I haven't really got to read. But I understand there's a new site that's going to have where you kill a capital and it'll drop its debris. Am I am I even understanding that correctly? Yeah, these Is void. That what they've announced so far. I'm trying to think if that's the void ones that's going. Uh shoot! I had to. I'd have to go back and look at the screenshots and whatnot too of what drops. But yeah, so basically, we're supposed to be getting a debris or two in these new um, nihilist spaces, right? So and, and I, and I say think they're that's the void ones that are going right now because the new vo the void ones for this event do have capital ships in them. So it only makes and sense so the, if they drop debris, right? 
So I think that's what we're going to see is the debris will will certainly come in at a premium until a bunch of people get it. But I think the way um, the way NetEase is releasing this isn't similar to the Faction Warfare where you had to go through all these stages before you could build the Astero, right? This is kind of before the ship's even in the game. They're letting you stockpile the debris. So I would argue that maybe we don't even see the debris as quite expensive as what we saw with the debris from the faction warfare for the Astero. Um, and well, sins of, uh, sins of, um, Oh, not sins of, what is it? Help me out. S O E sisters of Eve. Thank you. Sisters of Eve. <laughs> oh man. I did a, <laughs> I did an Eve online, um, mod for a game called sins of a solar empire and the game that the, the mod that I created, I named it sins of new Eden. So my brain was stuck on that. I'm sorry. My, had a little hyper focused, but um, shout out to those that played Sons of a Solar Empire RTS game. I did have uh, CCP's blessing and used the uh, intellectual property to create a mod for that game. It was a lot of fun. Had a big following for a while there. I just want to turn back toward like the capital subject, though. Is uh, yeah, it's what do you think that's what do you think is going to happen with capitals in this war? Are are they going to? Is it? I know there's that whole event with with NetEase and the uh, race to capitals, like who's racing, right? Is it these majors, major alliances? It's it single players, you know, the people that have the most money in the game, are they racing to have the first capital or at least a capital? You know, what, what's that about? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's a very fair question um, and a very, it's, it's a hard one almost because you, you have to stop and ask yourself, okay, Who's going to want these? Are, are they going to want them for PV? Who is going to want them? Who has the ability to have them? And and then what are they going to do with them? So you, you have a three-prong uh, uh, question here, right? Um, and I would say that probably the people that need them um, are the PVPers, right? They, they want to go down the PVP path, might not have the financial people. I think the ones that have it are the PVEers, right? The, the ones that have been doing the anomalies and whatnot, um, but they might not necessarily have the mineral stockpile. So you kind of have like all these different groups that, okay, the miners have the mineral stockpile. The people who've been planning this for a long time might have the PI stockpile, um, but it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how many each one of those groups that are all kind of kind of holding their own uh, dash, if you will, can can really produce these, and then and to what effect they use them. That's it's going to be really interesting because none of uh, the skills you know are are applied in the player interface. That or is it an interface or interference? I, I want to say I was listening to a Benzie video earlier, and he kept saying interference, and I've never noticed. I always thought it was the virtual test interface. Um, so now I'm questioning myself, um, but also questioning <laughs> Benzi on to if it's an interface or an interference. But you hear that, um, Benzi? But anyway, confirm that for yeah, you. Yeah, it's called, I, I, need, I need a shout out. So, somebody, please check that and get back to us. But I, I think it's going to be interesting once we see the skills, the damage applied. Are these uh, going to be useful in PVE? Because all right, mind you, something like. Uh, the sites in PVE are are the major isk making, right? Whether you get a scout, an inquisitor, or a dead space. Really? Well, in Eve Online, capitals could not use those acceleration gates, right? So you couldn't go into those sites with capitals. So I guess I'm saying it would be interesting to me. Is that going to be the same in in Nadiz's version of of uh, New Eden? Well, supposedly these things can jump into anomalies. So, so. I mean, as long as that stays the same, 
carriers by nature should be the anomaly masters, right? Um, and then your your hot droppers with their Phoenix that wants to offer capital because the Phoenix by far in the test interface had the most anti-capital warfare available to itself. And not only that, but it had the range. So, you know, like the most DPS you got out of an Aglifar or a Moros or Revelation was about that 50km mark. And then even that was, it was kind of sketch. But the Phoenix could sit at 110km and while it might take a while for those missiles to get to you, uh, they hit you, they hit you hard um, with full damage and they hit you every single time. So I would I would say that you know you're going to see a lot of phoenixes for the anti-capital warfare, maybe some nags that think they're going to micro warp drive around, um, and that's another thing that's completely different from when these were introduced to Eve Online is there were no capital size modules for for travel. There was no capital size micro warp drive when carriers and um, dreadnoughts came out. So that's kind of a different play on this. Um, it, it'll be interesting. I don't have. I don't want to say I've speculated too much, but I think we'll see certainly carriers used and and sites and PVE. Yeah. Um, so you'll, you'll have a lot of people trying really hard, uh, really fast to get those. Um, but from the calculations that I've run, from the numbers that NetEase has posted, um, screenshots of like the components required, you know, I you're talking something that's like what maybe two hundred million tritanium somewhere, 200, 250 million tritanium. So less than. Uh, less than three materials, right, of, of minerals. Now, PI, different story. I think that that's where I'm saying that that's going to be interesting to see. I don't think it's going to be enough to turn the war in any one facet, you know, taking the capitals to the war um, conversation. I don't, I don't think you could drop enough dreadnoughts. I don't think you could drop enough carriers in the next, in the near term, in the next three to four months to change the outcome because of the ability, like even with the meta of the, um, of the Dominic's like the kiting doctrine, you can kite out of their range. You know, the Phoenix um, is notorious for killing capitals and has the long range, but it can't shoot a sub capital worth a flip. Um, everybody did the test interface was miserable every time they were a Phoenix until they got to the fourth stage. Um, Cause you couldn't really kill any of the sub capitals. And I, so, you know, you kind of have this issue where, if the Nagafar and the others can't shoot past 50 km worth of, worth of, worth speaking of, then you're going to have kite doctrines that fly around at 70 km and pick them off. Uh, so, I mean, I think there's a little bit of a counter to everything right now. I, you're really going to have to see mass forces for objectives. And I think that's what it's going to come back to, to circling back to where dreadnoughts were dropped on pauses and even online. Dreadnoughts kind of sacrificed to drop a citadel um, just because it can tank the damage and shoot the citadel at at max, um, what do you call it? Cap. It'll cap out the damage on a citadel um, on its pretty much on its own. I would imagine. I haven't run the numbers on that. Don't quote me. But it'll certainly <laughs> be able to tank a, a mainstay of the fleet. However, uh, are you going to sacrifice two or three phoenixes to take a citadel? That's going to be interesting when these things are maybe sixteen to twenty five billion a pop. So yeah. It'll, it'll certainly it'll certainly liven things up, and I think a lot of people uh, will, will will learn that uh, butterflies in your stomach, your heart racing that first time you jump to a Sino field with hostiles on grid. Um, you know, I don't think anything compares to to dropping capitals quite the same. Other, the only the only thing that gets your heart racing more. Speaking as an Eve Online super capital vet, 
is when you accidentally jump your Titan to a Sino that you were supposed to be bridging a fleet through. Uh, so I think that for the EVE Online vets, they'll understand how that mistake has been made, and uh, that will get your heart in your chest beating as, as hard and as fast as it possibly can. So there's there's a breath of excitement when capitals come in and, and you drop them or you counter drop them. So it certainly just ups the ante. Yeah, I'm totally excited for these things when they come out. I already got two carriers on pre-order, and I'll be selling the Lexus next week. So is that on a 40 payment pay plan like you were trying to do with the Sharon? <laughs> no, that was going to be a one lump sum like uh, pay. Yeah. So clearly you've been able to get into those corp coffers or something in the last. <laughs> no, I, I work completely for free. Yep. Uh, just mess with you. No judgment, man. No judgment. No, but in all honesty, is uh, that that's basically the next ship that I would aim to get because I have everything else. I have everything that I want in the game. Up until those right. release, I've already tested the carriers in PVE. I've already tested the Dreadnoughts in PvE, and I don't really care for the Dreadnoughts, but when the carriers released to the content creators and uh, I started ratting with that thing, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. And not to mention, it's like it does enough DPS to kill anything that, like an enemy fleet that would come in and warp in on you, like interceptors and whatnot. Those things pick off interceptors like nothing. So uh, it's going to be the next ship that uh, I'm going to aim toward getting, definitely. Well, and you know, we really haven't had major balance pass changes in this game. There was, I would say, a moderate change when they tried to buff armor um, a little bit and nerf shield a little bit. Um, but I, I would say that the meta um, has always been the shield field and Eve Echoes, right? I mean, not... For, for yes, in small gang warfare, the armor doctrine can work for like less than twenty dudes. But once you get past that, it gets logistically too hard of having a command ship for every ten man squad. Um, so just the way the armor applies and soaks up damage, it just isn't feasible. So I, maybe you'll see a little bit of a shift in doctrines um, if shield fields get dropped. I think that's the part that's exciting for me, not just the new ship. Um, but I'm kind of excited to see if the long-running shield meta um, gets kind of slapped on its face, right, with with the way this uh, Dreadnought can blap a shield field. It'll be interesting, for sure. <laughs> um, you know, at the end of the day, um, shield fields are, are vulnerable to massive amounts of damage. Um, but at the same time, if you have enough shield fields, it it, it creates where... It, I will say the biggest drawback or something I think the NetEase creators need to think about is when a, a big enough gun applies enough damage to a target, um, say the Ferox command, um, Guardian, if it takes enough damage and the shield field drops uh, for that ship, the next shield field picks up where it left off. So a ship, a couple, as long as it's within another bubble, right? So you can have 10 Ferox Guardians all bubbled up. Well, I, I think that kind of defeats the original purpose Um of the ship that that single shot should still hit that ship uh, because you're targeted at that ship. So I, I would hope that the developers kind of look at that, maybe play around with the programming and see if a dreadnought can one shot of a Ferox guardian, that would really change the meta. Um, and I, I would like, I think I'd like that. I mean, if not that it would throw our whole command structure in disarray of how we run mm -hmm. fleets, 
but I think it would be exciting to see the meta be shook up like that. Yeah, it would be interesting indeed. So I want to steer it back over to toward the war, though. Capitals aside, what do you think the future of this war is? This is through your perspective. This is not asking anybody else. Just what are your thoughts on it? Well, and, and Rambo, I think that's great that we're having this conversation together because we can speak this as veterans of a fallen empire. <laughs> together, we were GHA. Um, and and I think we kind of get to that feeling, right? Like we know what it's, what it's like to be on the side of Pantheon where we're losing Citadels every day um, and we're being overwhelmed on our doorstep and can't really go out and rat and do group activities other than PvP because there's hostiles everywhere. Um, so, I mean, I don't want to say the writing's on the wall for Pantheon. I mean, I, I'm not that, uh, I don't want to say that with that much hubris, but I want to say, I will say that what I tend to see happen is groups start to break off pretty quick. Um, when they're not able to do the things they enjoy, um, a person will eventually go somewhere else, you know, just as in real life, a human will, will want to, to do something different if they're not enjoying what they're doing. Um, so I think ultimately that's what we'll start seeing more of is groups will start to splinter off and try and find space that isn't in such turmoil, um, whether they go to silent or no or void or whoever, you know, that remains to be seen. Um, but I, at the end of the day, I think that's what will happen similar to the Golden Horde is that name of Pantheon or, or Genesis will um, change or merge into some form or, you know, Genesis has been remarkable in their well, and their Genesis, I guess. They lost all their space and all their Sov at one point fighting the Angel Cartel Republic um, or the Southern Coalition, the different names. Um, but at, they bounced back. You know, Once that war was over um, and those sides moved on after the Horde died, um, we, we saw Genesis um, Federation bounce back. So you know, I, I won't say it's necessarily the end of one of these alliances necessarily altogether, but I think to the scale that they were, uh, before the war, I think that writing's on the wall just because, again, if people aren't having a good time, they're going to go somewhere else. So that w that'll be my call is that we'll, you know, after, you know, like we're almost to the 30 day mark that people are going to get bored of this and they're going to start either not playing because they're not able to do the things they enjoy or they'll go somewhere else that they can. That's that's my take on it. I don't know. What's your thoughts? Well, I think you have SHH and no that are primarily PVP oriented alliances and GenFed and Pantheon, they do have a history of winning wars. They have a history of having PVP, but it may not be to the extent of SHH or no, especially no is up. Of course, they're only PVP. Um, as, as far as the future goes, I, I really don't know. It could, they could bounce back. They really could, and similarly to the days of GHA, is there were some very large battles that took place over near GenFed, and yet GenFed won the war with Pantheon behind them. So it, it's uh, it's weird to see, you know, the 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 stuff change. It it could change at any time, but oh, you're and, and that's, they're they're that's... facing a different enemy though. It's GHA was a lot of Care Bears. You will have to admit there was a lot of Care Bears in GHA, but right. they and, they well, were and, also and strong. To, but they were strong in numbers. It wasn't. It wasn't worth. Uh, I guess let us not forget that also No was hitting GHA, so it was No Genesis and uh, uh, Pantheon, right? That came over that really sealed the fate of GHA. Um, so 
you know, nose not necessarily uh, on that side, on on the opposite side. So no, it's a very similar but different situation. And like you said, there's a lot of more, uh, there's more PvP focus in the side alliance than there ever was in the Golden Horde because the game was that new. Um, so for sure, I think it's it's an eye opener for a lot of those that might not have been involved in PvP and Pantheon. What I think. I think most of Genesis probably were PvP oriented from their history. And I think too, a lot of the momentum comes off of that Fireflies War. And, you know, because SHH was winning battle after battle after battle, blowing up Citadels, taking over Branch, eventually winning over Branch and Tenal. You know, they, they, they had like a two or three week vacation to just kind of settle down, wind down, and then this happened. So, you know, they're still they're still carrying that momentum though, and the players see it. The players are like, "Oh, well, this guy's doing a fleet. Those fleets are fun. Let's do it." You know, we we took out three stations last night. Let's take out three or four more tonight, and uh, that that feeds a lot of the PvP oriented players, which so happen to be No and SHH. Well, and not only the players, but you know, again, I go back to the FCs, right? Uh, if you, if you have a wartime environment, which Silent has lived in, um, most well, you figure that FF war was almost a year old, right? Uh, and then the No has their entire existence has been PvP. The fleet commanders and content creators of those alliances have been very busy at creating content, um, and so they they've got plenty of people in the ranks, and that helps, right? Sustainment. Um, if it wasn't the size and group of uh, fleet commanders and uh, intelligence staff and officers keeping things you know the real Beck. um i mean I'm, I'm sure he gets a lot of hate on the other side and a lot of love on our side but that man does a lot of work in in keeping timers and things organized you know there's there's a there's a massive amount of logistics that goes behind this um and if you don't have that support system behind you because you haven't been at war constantly and there hasn't been a need for it uh that hurts you that that's certainly a, a handicap to your abilities to to sustain something if you're relying on two or three fcs to really run it um, so there's, there's certainly something to be said for all the support staff uh, and intelligence staff and, and the FCs themselves. Well, hi you. We're uh, we're reaching right about that time. So we basically talked about everything that we were wanting to talk about. So you have any other things you want to bring up? Uh, no, you know, like I said, I'm I'm excited. I think um, everybody on on the other side of the war again, just you know. You're, you're not losing as much as experiencing the game. You're playing a game. Um, and don't, I guess I would say, from being on the loser loser side, if you will, from GHA, uh, you got to take it with a, with a grain of salt and just enjoy your community um, and, and stay stay classy. And I think that goes to both sides. I don't, I don't want anybody on either side not being classy. I, I think we just need to remember that we're playing this game to have fun. And, and even if the opposing side is our, our enemy, they're – you know, that's not a mortal enemy. We're not here out for one another uh, to that degree. So just keep it classy and enjoy the game. Um, don't uh, don't take it personal. Um, but also certainly on the flip side of that, keep your friends close and, and develop those communities because that's what we're all here for, to, to be, you know, each other's friend and, and take care of one another. So that's all I can ask is everybody just fly safe um, and, and play the game positively. That's That's all I can hope for. All right. Well, you got any shout outs? We'll close it out from there. Uh, you know, because uh, this guy loves me so much and I know you love him. And I know I think most of every alliance we've ever been in as a corporation love him. I'm going to shout out to the GOAT, 
because uh, there's no one like the goat. I think that's enough said for anybody that knows him. <laughs> Does he? Do you know if he listens to the show? Is he a fan? Um, if not, I know he's going to get a link. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I know he's listened to several <laughs> of your episodes for sure. All right, man. Well, it was uh, nice talking with you and uh, talking about this war and capitals. You're very knowledgeable with military and EO experience and capital experience and all that. It's just a great sit down to have with you. So thank you for coming on the show. Oh, a pleasure. And like I said, and obviously, uh, hopefully we can do this in, in a little more fun light for a, another tournament soon. So I'd be happy to have you by my side, man. Appreciate the uh, yeah. time you put into this show. Yeah, I'm I'm totally excited to be your wingman. If that were to be uh, another event down the road, that would be awesome. Or I would look forward to that. Yes. Well, in the words of uh, Top Gun, you can be my wingman anytime. All right. Well, how are you? All right, man. Fly safe, and uh, I'll see you around. All right, everyone. Take care. Well, that wraps it up for this week. If you like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. I do have a YouTube channel. Like and subscribe that for future videos. And if you would like to sponsor the show, please reach out to me on Discord. Being a sponsor gets your corporation ad out there for listeners of the show who may be looking to join a corp. Also, if you wish, please join my Discord. That is where I do my roundtable talks when I do do them. I post all of my episodes there. I have a guest list shown, and you can also post your very own corp ad. I'll leave that link to this Discord in the description. And yes, the shoutouts to our other content creators. So if you want even more Eve Echoes news and a deeper dive into what's going on with the galaxy, check out Damon Zell over on YouTube and his show, Echoes from the Front. That's where he goes over game announcements, patch notes, alliance drama, battles, and much more. I also want to give a shout out to Sky News, the premier Russian news outlet. If you haven't checked out their channel, go check it out on YouTube. Yes, it's all spoken in Russian, but they do include English subtitles in their videos. They also have a blog in which the text can be translated to your preferred language. Go check out Let's Play the Game. over at sky news so thank you everybody for listening take care fly dangerously and i shall see you next week